Welcome to Legacy Sport Live, stories of the people who are shaping the conversation at the intersection of sport, business and purpose. I'm Neil Duffy, co-author of our new book, Legacy Sport, how to win at the business of sport in the age of social good. Today I'm talking to Joanne Pasternak, former Warriors and 49ers Foundation Executive Director, who shares with us the ways in which these leading professional sports teams put purpose front and centre of their community efforts, and as such are a powerful force for good in the Bay Area. Joanne, you're somebody that's um, seen the action right at the at the heart of it all, having uh, worked very closely with two um, of the leading professional sports teams here in the Bay Area, the 49ers and the Golden State Warriors. As you reflect back on the last 15 years of your work, I'm not trying to make you sound old, um, <laughs> what, what, what have been the highlights for you um, in terms of the interaction between professional sport and doing good in the community? You know, I always appreciate when somebody doesn't try to make me look old. I work on that all, all by myself. But um, <laughs> actually, I'd, I'd go back even further. I started my career working for the global nonprofit Special Olympics at their headquarters in Washington, D.C. back at the year 2000. Um, so I've just aged myself there. But I would tell you that coming from the background of working on the front lines with a global nonprofit and seeing what it was like to be on the receiving end of the corporate partnerships and to be out seeking the opportunity to be seen and heard and to receive funds from some of the biggest brands um, such as Coca-Cola and um, Kelly Paper, McDonald's and others. Um, we really were not in the driver's seat despite the fact that we had such a strong brand, but we were looking for Corporate partners, we're looking for sports teams, we're looking for others to amplify our message for us and to help us to draw them in. Um, and what I learned from that experience is that we had an opportunity to recapture what we wanted to say and to find the partners who fit best within our messaging as well. So we moved forward a number of years, find myself at the San Francisco 49ers, where I came in originally as the director of community relations in 2008. And when I was first at the 49ers, the corporate partnership relationship with community relations was very transactional. The folks who were working on the sales side would go out and speak with corporate partners or potential corporate partners. They would sell a deal and then they'd come knocking on my door and let me know what we were doing to activate on that. So for example, we had a deal with a, a bank called Symmetra and they wanted to do a Heroes in the Classroom program where they would be awarding a small uh, donation to a school teacher or a school in our community each week during the regular season. And we would activate on that as the community relations department. The stipend that they were providing was certainly wonderful and appreciated, but wasn't really moving the needle forward in terms of education, nor was it closely aligned with what we were doing out in the community and, the, and our core values as a community relations department. Simultaneously, we were doing all sorts of additional programming with hospital visits, uh, food drives, stadium-related um, activations on game days and outside of game days, and really just making sure that we had something for our players and our legends to do at all times. Um, 
so when the corporate partnership folks would come to us with a new idea, a new contract, or a new concept, it was additive to what we were already doing. Um, separate from that, the 49ers Foundation was out fundraising and hosting events and bringing visibility to the platform around keeping kids safe on track and in school. But these elements weren't really coming together in a meaningful way. So a couple of years into this role, I had the opportunity to also take on the leadership of the 49ers Foundation and to bring the activation out in the community with the Community Relations Department together with the foundation and the fundraising component, and then to get more closely aligned with corporate partnerships. And from that point forward, we started to strategize on how we could look more proactively at what we hope to do with our community partners and with our corporate partners and to think where we could bring them all together to create meaningful programming that not only allowed our corporate partners to move the needle forward in terms of their marketing and revenue generation strategies, but also enabled them to have a more meaningful interaction with the philanthropic causes that were closest to their business objectives as well as their heart objectives. And what we found is that these partnerships became so much more impactful overall and allowed the corporate partners to align their business practices with their philanthropic practices in a way that made sense. It no longer felt like they were just putting some fluff on something to make themselves look good. It felt truly authentic. And that rolling forward through my nine seasons with the 49ers, two seasons with the Golden State Warriors, and now in the work that I'm doing independently with professional athletes and with 49ers legends has really created this momentum around um, well-reasoned, well-thought-out alignment between corporate partnerships, nonprofit organizations, and um, corporate social responsibility as a platform. So, so that's really interesting. So, so Joan, if just dive into one part of what you spoke about um, and the corporate sponsorship piece, to what extent the, 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 um, the community uh, support uh, that you were providing uh, factor into the decision-making of the sponsors to, to actually support the 49ers and the Warriors? You know, it's interesting. In the Bay Area, we have been blessed with having a large number of sports teams, professional sports teams, as well as collegiate sports teams that are very well regarded. And as such, there's a lot of competition for those corporate dollars. And we, as the sports teams, don't get to make the decisions for the corporations, which teams they'd like to align with, but we know that they have many factors they're considering. Now, many of the corporate partnerships guys or the ticketing sales people would tell you that they're looking for the media impressions they're looking for, how many seats they have available and how many people will be in stadium or in arena on a game day. But I, I would venture to guess that they're also looking at how it feels to be aligned with a particular brand. And what is the sensitivity around the brand and the brand management and how confident is a corporation that by aligning with a sports team or a sports brand, that their image as a corporation will be elevated. And so when I was with the 49ers and also with the Golden State Warriors, it was with tremendous pride that I could go out into the community and represent myself as being affiliated with those two teams. And I could see that for our corporate partners, they felt that sense of pride as well. And the pride was not just aligned with our on-field or on-court performance, but it was also aligned with the tremendous work that we were doing in the community and the fact that we were being recognized 
on not just a local or a national level, but on a global level for groundbreaking work and for uh, the type of impact that we were having. We weren't just writing checks. We weren't just having our players go out and do appearances and sign autographs or take pictures with kids. We were rolling our sleeves up, getting to work and making meaningful, long-lasting partnerships that were multi-year partnerships with some of our corporate engagements. Um, so, for example, with the 49ers, we made a multi-year investment with Chevron to open up a, a STEM, a science, technology, engineering, and math leadership institute, which was the first of its kind and has since been replicated. But it was it started off as a three-year partnership, which has continued on um, with the first graduating class of students actually coming up this May and um, hundreds and hundreds of students benefiting from it. But there are real results that we can point to and students who will walk around and be advocates for the program, not because they've been told to do so, but because they're benefiting from it. So that then enhances that brand recognition for Chevron in a way that aligns them with a core cause around STEM and building the future pathways for engineers who, of course, will enhance their pathways for career success within their business as well. Mm. So I do believe that that's a change I've seen in this um, career path in this industry and certainly very, very different than it was 15 years ago or even 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. So that's, um, it's an interesting example. So, you know, for, for the, for the, un, um, for the unaware, I guess the first question would be, well, what on earth has sport got to do with science and technology? <laughs> well, that's, that's the fun part. When you can connect your brand with something that, um, particularly when it comes to education, something that captures attention and it elevates your brand to a level of visibility that wouldn't have had it otherwise, then suddenly you have new eyeballs on it. So going back to science and technology, um, I always look back at when I was, 12 years old and I was taking physics and I wasn't particularly interested in it. And truthfully, although I was a good student, I was most interested in the sport of figure skating, which was my passion at the time. And when my physics teacher told me that the sport that I loved more than anything was all about physics and that I should have an interest in physics because without it, I would not be able to put a blade on ice and move and spin and jump. And she started to talk to me about centripetal force and momentum and friction, all of a sudden physics became absolutely fascinating to me. And I wanted to learn more and more and more. And I honestly couldn't get enough of it. And as I was finishing an AP physics class a couple of years later, I thought to myself, you know, the relevancy there was not lost on me. And, and to have that spark at 12 years old is something that I've never lost. And I, I think about it when we're looking at ways that we can bring a topic to life for a corporation or for um, a nonprofit, something that may not be as popular or as easily understood by the general public. When you put a story to it, it suddenly comes to life. So we've done that with topics like STEM. When you think about the science behind the sport of football or basketball, some of those principles of physics apply, of course. Um, we, we would look at drag as it would relate to kicking a field goal. We'd look at how the wind might impact that and have kids really sitting down and working through it. And suddenly they become very interested in how a turbine might work. But it, it also can be drawn out towards just about any subject you can think of where there is a tie-in of some sort. How can we draw down from 
the world of, of math can we draw down into writing what does it mean to be a broadcaster and what types of communication skills do you need to um, learn in order to be successful in those fields and and what it does is it enables the amplification of a message um, if we're looking at industries like pharmaceuticals or we're looking at footwear and we have athletes who can speak to the um, importance that those elements have had in their lives or the lives of those that they love. Again, it's creating personification of something that feels far away or untouchable otherwise. And, and I understand that, um, I mean, we'll understand that, that, you know, that example is good for the community, good for the kids that, that uh, participate in the program. It's good for the sponsors mm -hmm. because they get to have that positive um, lift in association with the initiative. It's also good for the team, isn't it? Because I understand that um, the 49ers have now started offering um, this up as almost a service offering to other sports teams around the world. Um, mm -hmm. So it's actually generating, yeah. generating revenue for the club as well. It is. It is. The 49ers are now able to offer consulting services to other teams globally who are looking to launch similar programs. And um, they're able to use their playbook to help other teams launch similar programs. And the reason why other teams are interested is because they're seeing that it not only generates goodwill, but it also generates revenue and it generates opportunities for them to launch similar partnerships with corporations as well. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the more touch points you have within your community as well, the greater the visibility is for your brand, for your team, and the differentiation of your brand from others in your community enables you to connect more authentically with your fan base, with your consumer base, and also with those you're serving. Right. So as part of that, I'd also be interested to understand um, from you how the role of the athletes um, has changed over the years in all of this. I mean, you mentioned mm -hmm. early on in the conversation that when you first joined the 49ers, it was the kind of standard, you know, hospital visits, appearances, that kind of stuff. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, but it's moved mm -hmm. on from that, hasn't it? Tremendously. And, you know, there are a lot of things I, I feel challenged by with social media. And I think it's been evolving at first. I remember way back in the day, I would follow the players on Twitter just so that I could gain a sense of what they were up to in their free time. Um, but over time, players have realized that there's an opportunity for them to share messages about things that are important to them and to gain a sense of. Um, presence and who they are and their brand management is aligned with that as well. But along those lines, our athletes have incredible stories. Every single one of them has a unique background, a unique story. And so one of the things that we developed probably around 2010 or 11 was um, looking at how to further engage the athletes in the causes that were important and to help the athletes to feel more connected to the brands that we were aligning with as well. So rather than just kind of throwing a dart at the wall and saying, okay, let's have this athlete do the appearance with Verizon or this athlete do the appearance with Pepsi. It was doing a bit of matchmaking. So at the beginning of the year, we'd sit down with the rookies or with the returning athletes and say, what are some of the causes that are important to you? Um, which initiatives really, really call out to you? Is there anything in particular that you've experienced that you'd like to share with us right now? where we can provide you with a larger platform to share your story. And some of the most amazing stories, most compelling moments 
came from the athletes who weren't necessarily the most high profile, but who had experienced something real and raw and who really wanted to get out there and talk about it and to make a difference, whether that was something that was related to mental health or related to a family member who'd experienced something. I mean, one, one example in particular is a gentleman who has become a national spokesperson for Mothers Against Drunk Driving after his, his aunt and uncle were, were killed by a drunk driver. And he stood up and he said, I just, I feel compelled to do something about this. And, um, and because of his personal experience, he, he jumped in to really become an activist around the issue and to align with the corporate partners who were supporting the initiatives for Mothers Against Drunk Driving. And, and his visibility increased. I mean, obviously, he would rather have his aunt and uncle back. But, but barring that possibility, if something had happened to him, he saw the opportunity to use his platform to propel a cause and to, to lift it up to a higher platform and increase its visibility. One of the things that we often would say, and I, I say this all the time to athletes, is you have a platform. You might as well do something good with it. So what is it that you'd like to do? And I, I always encourage athletes to dig deep and think about a particular cause that they're most passionate about and to really try to become a subject matter expert. I would call it their philanthropic platform. So rather than being a dilettante and being a little bit knowledgeable about a lot of things or doing a hundred different events on a hundred different topics, if there's something you're truly passionate about, become, become really focused on that. Um, Joe Staley of the San Francisco 49ers, mother's librarian, he's passionate about literacy. He's done, gosh, I don't even know how many events around early childhood literacy and really promoting that as a cause because it's something that he knows a lot about. He's passionate about it. And um, any offensive lineman sitting in a kindergarten size uh, chair looks absolutely ridiculous and wonderful at the same time. And so you can get people laughing and you can get them thinking a little differently and at the same time create something that will drive momentum towards your brand in an authentic way and enhance a corporate partner's visibility, then that's where you have a win all around. And that's what brings the corporate partner back and creates the renewals for those partnerships because most partnership deals are short-term. I mean, a long, long-term deal is like a naming rights deal that might be 10 or 15 years. But for most of these deals, they're three to five years long. And halfway through, you're already thinking about how you can renew them as a corporate partner's you know, salesperson. And when you're at that point, you're hoping that there's something unique that's happened that is more than just the product that you're producing on the field or on the court or on the pitch, because you have no control over that. What you do have control over is what's happening on the days that the players aren't on the field or the pitch. And part of that is around the community. And are the marketing team or the sales team, um, the, the C-suite, are they feeling something around that partnership that makes them want to continue it regardless of what the scoreboard looks like at the end of the game? Yeah. And that's where these corporate social responsibility platforms can really make a big difference. You can control that. You can control how they feel at the end of it. Yeah. And they, they continue year on, year out, irrespective of when it, whether you're winning the Super Bowl or not. Absolutely. I mean, the, the Chevron example, again, was that deal was up for renewal when the Niners were losing. And Chevron enthusiastically renewed because they were getting 
such a tremendous amount of satisfaction and positive feedback uh, from participating in the programs around STEM education. So for them, it was an easy, absolutely, let's do it. Let's, in fact, let's enhance this partnership. And when the team started to win again this past season, it was just a tremendous value add that the team happened to be winning, but it wasn't predicated upon the winning record. Um, I would say if you go back 15 years, the win-loss record was truly the only thing of value within these partnerships because most of the partnerships were based on hospitality packages and um, taking people out to a game and then entertaining them in a suite or on the on the field pregame. And when you have a, a team with a 0-8 record halfway through a season, it's, it gets harder and harder to encourage people to sit in traffic to go out to a game with 8 and no. No big deal. Everybody wants to come out to the game. So, so what do you do to bridge that gap? You build in components that have nothing to do with the hospitality around the game because you'll always be able to find people who want to go to a game, but to get the right people to the, to the game and the right people behind the partnership, there needs to be more than just the game day experience. And quite frankly, if your game day experience includes tickets to the game or even at the highest levels, a suite or a uh, you know, entire section of seats, that still only touches a very small percentage of your employees and your shareholders. And so in order to justify the expenditure that's related to a corporate partnership with a sports team, you need to be able to showcase that you're doing something that gives back and that is enhancing the company and the company's value and the company's bottom line far more than any hospitality package could ever do. And that's, I think, again, a place where the um, social responsibility platform can come into play. Yeah. Because with the social responsibility platform, you're suddenly saying, yeah, I, I recognize that you as an employee who's working remotely or who works overseas in one of our offices can't take advantage of the fact that we have courtside seats. But look at what you can do and look at what we are doing and look at how we're making a difference in the lives of youth in the community. Mm. Not something we can all feel good about. So. John, if we, if we switch gears a little bit and, st and uh, just focus on the Warriors for a second. So I, I remember at the time mm -hmm. when, when you told me you were leaving the 49ers to go to the Warriors, I thought, whoa, um, why would you want to leave the 49ers? So tell me about the Warriors and how that was the same or different to, to the experience you had at the 49ers. I was with the Niners for a long time. I love the 49ers. They're, they're part of my extended family. And, um, really proud of the work we were able to do there. When uh, the Warriors reached out, they were looking to replicate to some degree some of the work that we'd done at the Niners in bringing together community relations and the community foundation. Now, in just about every team, the community foundation is an independent 501c3 nonprofit from the team. So it operates as a separate legal entity. And then community relations is an extension of the team most frequently it activates on the corporate partnerships deals and marketing um, components of the team. So for many teams back in the day, they had maybe one or two people who were doing anything that was related to give back or community good. As those grew, they had two separate people, but they weren't operating in concert with each other. And then sort of around that same time when I took over the Fortinaires Foundation, and then was also running community relations, the two departments started to become more and more frequently um, 
run under one one person or one viewpoint so that they could work together. And that's exactly what was happening at the Warriors. So when I went over to the Warriors, it was the, the first time in a while that the two departments were being brought together. I was really fortunate to come into a team where obviously there was a strong record of winning and a loss of momentum, absolutely astounding and amazing um, core group of players who on and off the court are phenomenal humans, um, a head coach who is, I always say to people, he's even better than he appears on TV, um, just as, as a person to his core. He's, a, he's just a good human being. Um, and a lot of support to do the right thing and do it the right way. Um, the Warriors, just like the Niners had a number of years prior to that, were in the process of building a brand new arena. Um, when the Niners were building their new stadium, there was a lot of energy and momentum around corporate partnerships that were bigger and more complex than they had ever been before. The Warriors were emerging into that same space. So they were looking at one of the deals was the largest corporate partnerships deal that sports team had, had ever had that had a significant community component. And um, that component was called Generation Thrive. It was with Kaiser Permanente. And it was rolling out where Kaiser was absolutely all in on making the biggest commitment they could to ensuring that the Oakland and San Francisco communities and the areas surrounding would benefit greatly from their their activation within San Francisco, Oakland, and the Bay Area. And such fun to be able to build something out where there was there was an investment on every side to make it a success. So for me it was really that combination of all of those factors and Honestly, I'm, I'm somebody who doesn't like to sit still too much. So being able to take on this task and build something again from the ground up was really exciting um, and a great opportunity. And winning a couple of championships along the way made it all that much more fun. Um, and, you know, now this chapter I'm in working with, with legends from the 49ers and looking at the legacy and working with individual players on their philanthropic platform, I'm still in that space, figuring out where the perfect sweet spot is between taking athletes who want to do great things and great things for the world, um, corporations who are looking to do the right thing in the right way, and then nonprofits who are already doing great things, but just don't have the loud enough voices or the platforms to be able to share their great work. Um, I spend a lot of time discouraging individual athletes from creating their own nonprofits or their own 501c3s. I encourage them to look at donor advised funds or to lend their voice to terrific nonprofits doing great work and then to partner that up with a corporation that has the funds to support that great work. Because I think when you bring those three elements together, that's when you have magic. As long as there's a true and authentic connection, there's the funds to support it, and there's an organization that's out there in the community doing the grassroots work. Um, you can really make a difference. And if you have a sports team that's aligned with it, that can provide the, um, the bandwidth and the tentacles to be able to reach out into a community, you can't ask for a better proposition. Well, that seems like a great place to, to end our conversation today. Thank you for your time. Thank you for the work you do. You uh, do amazing work and I, I love it every time we talk to each other. So look forward to many more conversations and uh, thanks so much, Joan. No, thank you, Neil. Appreciate it.
We hope that you've enjoyed listening to this edition of Legacy Sport Live, the companion podcast series to our new book, Legacy Sport, how to win at the business of sport in the age of social good. Please visit our website at www.legacysport.org to order your copy of the book and join our growing community of sports business professionals committed to doing good while doing well through sport.